to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh hey, hey, if you are obedient you are calling the bible alaba shake bredo sokolo hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing the light if the light goes on it's not enough it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines No, my life will not just go on. It's not enough that you cleared. You have to be excellent. Your life, no, 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 it's, it's not enough that you feel perfect. And he has put all things under his side, under his side, at arm's length. Where has he put them? Somebody shout it. Partnering with God's work financially is not something that we invented so that we can have money. It's not. It's something that has been there from time immemorial. God has demanded that people do give. I want you to look at something. The Lord spoke to Moses. Who spoke to Moses? What did he say? Speak to the children of Israel that they bring that they bring me an offering. God was the one collecting the offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. The only condition he said in this instance is that people should be willing to give. But God, think of it, was God broke? When we are doing earthly work, it takes earthly resources and we are the ones who should fund our earthly resources. What God does is he supplies us with capacity and graces to have resources in order to give to his work. That's what is called partnering with God. That 50 kwacha you received suddenly which you were not expecting from your uncle. You mean you couldn't remove a 10 kwacha to partner? You want God to be dropping money? How many times does he do it? How many times have you seen him do it? It's because there's a way that God works. He supplies graces. Those graces provoke a material reaction, a, a material release. Then when we have, depending on the grace that has been supplied, we have access to money. And we must all learn to give according to, number one, the blessing that's on us. Number two, the willingness of our heart. Because sometimes you can give all you like, but if your heart is not in it, you may not benefit. God wants you to be. That's why we say, I want you to come excited when it comes to giving. You should be happy to do it. Hallelujah. It's very important. And then, and this is the offering which you shall take from the people. Gold, silver, bronze. After all, there's nothing that you ever had that God never gave you. So God is the owner of silver and gold. So he has a right to demand of it. So he says you should bring money, dollars, pounds, in this day's language. Hallelujah. Go on. Blue, purple, scarlet, thread, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skin dyed red, badger skins, acacia wood. God was collecting things. Oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense. Let's go on. All this for the... 
onyx stones, stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplate. And all these things God was demanding. He says, and let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So God was collecting money, collecting money from the people of God and materials so that he could have somewhere there where they could worship. Okay? And when you read, the Bible says the people gave and they kept giving till Moses had to tell them to stop. I'm just giving you examples. When you read and tell you, people gave. They gave so much that Moses had to stop them. You must reach that place where I have to stop you. <laughs> I don't know why. You're laughing in disbelief. I don't know. <laughs> why are you laughing? Wow. <laughs> Give me first, first Corinthians chapter 29. I want to show you something. Just there. It's not the first time I really want to show you these things because they are important. It's not the first time. God works with people. And your materials are important. Your physical materials are important to the work of God here on earth. You should know that. Mm. Mm -hmm. This is serious. <sighs> We're going to read another scripture, but I want to show you this one. Are we there? First Chronicles. Chapter 29. Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great because the temple is not for man but for the Lord God. Are you seeing that? We do these things for God. Again, there's a temple coming up. Then he says, now, for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might. Are you seeing that? Oh, that means with all the grace God gave him. Grace is given differently. Let me tell you, the manifestation of your grace in one way it expresses itself is in the money you're able to make in a month. Yeah. He said, oh, my might. Might differ. What one person is able to make is different from what another person is able to get. That's why you don't judge your giving by your giving by how much greater it is compared to the person who's given less. You judge it according to the grace given you. Are you seeing that? If I make if I make 20 pin per month, for example, then I give 8500 that month. I would have given, yes. Another person makes 500. They give 250. Who has given more? Are you seeing? It's, it's according to the grace. Giving is according to the grace and willingness of the heart. Sometimes willingness of the heart is expressed in sacrificial giving. It's not every time you give and you are not happy that you have not given with your heart. Sometimes it just means you felt it. Because there are times when you are letting go of the command, your heart does somersaults. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might gold for the things to be made of God, silver for the things to be made, bronze, things of iron, wood to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance because he was able to do what you can do. Someone say, I'll do what I can do. 
Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of God. Where is your affection? He said he was doing it because he has set his affections on the house of God. His feelings, his thoughts, his emotions, his desires for greatness is that he wants to see. Not some of you really want to see your team prosper. Your affections are there. That's why you bowl a bit. Because your affections are there. Yeah, it shows. Because where your treasures are. So where you spend your money the most. Don't lie to yourself. Me, I love the road. No. We will tell by where your money goes. Just look at where your, most of your money goes. That's where your highest state is. Because I've set my affection. Where is your affection, child of God? Why do your parents spend the most money on your education? Their affection is on it. And I'm not saying it's wrong. But you can tell affection is the spelling of importance. Because you place so much affection on something, it shows that it's important. It shows that it's of value. Hallelujah. I have given to the house of my God. And it was so personal. Stop looking at what other people are doing. And stop being in a competition. Sometimes even when it comes to uh, partnership, eh, you should be careful not to enter into a competition, to check what other people are doing so that you can win a competition, uh, the, 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 the uh, partnership award. You may end up winning in our sight, but in the sight of God, you are a competitor. Do it because you love God and give with all your might without looking at the other person. You win here, but in heaven you also win. Careful. Says so because I want to win against all my elders. No. Because I've set my affection on the house of God. Where is your affection? It's in your pocket. You want affection. There are people who are so good at understanding money that when they have a bunch of 10 quatchers, 100 quatchers, and 2 quatchers, and they want to give someone, they will remove a two quatcher without thought. All of them are new, and then they, they know it's a two quatcher there. Because a two quatcher, one two one. They come quite over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. In other words, he went into his personal savings. Let's go on. 3,000 talents of gold, of gold of offer, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses. Sometimes you think Solomon just got things, but some people sponsored him. That's why it's good to have a good inheritance. The God for the things of God, the silver for the things of God. Well, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Then that's what he did. He gave it to giving. Then he inspired now the elders to give. Hallelujah. I've also given much giving, so I'm inspiring you. Then the leaders of the father's houses, meaning beginning from the leaders. Hallelujah, church. Amen. And the church said, Amen. The leaders have to keep quiet. And the church said, Amen. The leader will be checking what the leader. 
Then the leaders of the father's house, the father's houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, department heads and deacons. <laughs> Sunday school teachers. Head, cell, ministers and cell leaders. Come on, boys. <laughs> With officers over the king's work offered willingly. She willingly, she important. They gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 uh, derricks of, of gold, 10,000 and all these things, 100,000 iron they gave. Let's go on. The Bible goes on to say, and whoever had precious stones gave them. Wow. Let's go on. Then the people rejoiced. Are you seeing that? Mm -hmm. For they had offered willingly. Can you imagine? That's why sometimes I hope you all give willingly. That's why I say, come excited. Because if people in the Old Testament who didn't have the Holy Spirit living with them could give with joy. Number one. With the Holy Spirit in, you are abusing him in tongues. Are you saying that? Because with a loyal heart, Offering, givings, and tithes are also a sign of loyalty. We can tell a person's loyalty to the congregation, but most importantly to God through tithing and offerings. Yeah. They had offered willingly to the Lord, and King David also rejoiced greatly. Hallelujah. Let's go on. Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Give me Habakkuk. Actually, Haggai. Sorry, they are like twins. So, um, oh no, they weren't. Eh? Okay, they all start with her. Haggai, chapter one. Oh, you are not ready for these scriptures. Sorry, Haggai, chapter one. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, wait, in the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day, it was on 1st June, hint, hint. <laughs> Some haters will start saying, no, he's hinting on his birthday, which is coming on 1st June. <laughs> I receive all kinds of gifts. I know my enemies are saying he's always fasting. Those are my enemies. Okay. On the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, of, uh, to, to Zerubbabel, the son of... That's where they got Eatio from. Governor of Judah. <laughs> and Joshua, the son of that guy, the high priest, saying, let's go. That's, that's, that speaks the Lord of us, saying, this, that speaks who, saying? The These people say, the time has not come. The time that the Lord's house, you know, sometimes it feels like that. In the next two years, we must have our own building and we must begin building. That's what I've told you, right? I don't care how much money we don't have, who doesn't have what, me, I'm releasing a prophetic word. Amen. The means are few. problem is you are looking at what you don't have and you don't look at what you don't have you look at what God doesn't have and if you find it come share with me I would also like to bring down my faith 
It's not possible. The worst are those who don't have anything to give and they don't plan to give. At least if you don't have it, you should be saying, Lord, try me, Lord, test me. Now, one, you are broke. Two, you, have, you are also broke in your desires. You are really broke. But there are things that you do that begin to inspire a divine release. And in this place, some of you may not have what to give, but as you raise your heart and say, Lord, I want to give to the work of the Lord, something will begin staring. This is the of the supernatural, okay? I'm telling you. So some people say, oh, no, maybe, when are we going to start building the whole church? Maybe in the next five years. Mm. <laughs> These people say, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Let's go on. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, the word of the Lord, is it time for yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. I can preach a whole month on that. But I will not be tempted. You have sown so much. This is not so, so important. You have sown so much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not get full. You drink, but you are not satisfied. You wear clothes, but you are still feeling cold. And he who earns wages ends to put into a bag of holes. God is saying, you're not seeing your problem. Because you've neglected the house of God. He has a problem here. It's actually there. I'm just showing you what's happening. You have sown so much and bring it. He says, that says, he says, look at your life. Have you not seen what's not happening? Let's go on. Go up to the mountains and bring wood. Now God is asking for things. Oh, did God know it? He's the owner of all things. Why was he telling men to bring? There's a way that God works. Hallelujah. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And you brought it home. I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts. Because my house that is in ruins, or everyone of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew. The earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth on men and livestock and on the labor of your hands. A drought on the labor of your hands. Hallelujah. Are you seeing that? It seems there's a direct link between giving and receiving. Even in the Old Testament, God wanted people to give so that his projects could happen. God uses people. God will use you to do his work. And your finances count. Now, giving is very spiritual. Listen to me. Giving is giving is very spiritual. I want you to give me the book of John chapter number 12. Uh, this is important. John chapter number 12. 
Let me just read you this part. There's something I want you to see. Let me just digress a little. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. How many remember Lazarus? Let's go on. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Let's go. Then Mary took a pound of very costly uh, oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Let's go. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's sons, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? <laughs> this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but alini <laughs> pompwe. And he had, he was, and he was, a, he was, a, he was a main signatory to the account. He was the FD. And he used to take what was put in it. The Bible doesn't say some. Zangena is a choker. But Jesus said, yeah, leave her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. Let's go on. The poor you will always have, but me. Mm -mm. I want you to see this now. Anyways, you know, there are some people who think you are spending too much on your man of God. Yeah. They would rather you give to the poor. They say it's a waste. When you buy things expensive, they say it's a waste. Can you imagine that? People actually think when you spend things on church or on your pastor, they think you are wasting. Yeah. It's not new. I want you to look at this. Now, a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. This is the reason why the enemy wants to kill your testimony. Because your testimony is a path to Jesus. So they wanted to kill Lazarus because on account of his testimony, many people believed in Jesus. This is why every time you refuse to testify, no matter what God did for you, you are killing someone's faith in Jesus. This is why we testify. When we testify, we open this door for many people to experience the same grace we experienced in Christ. But when we refuse to testify, oh me, I'm shy. The Bible says, if you are ashamed of me in the sight of men, I will be ashamed of you in the presence of my father. Imagine Jesus feeling shy. I don't know. Maybe that's what it means. Maybe not. But he says, I'll be ashamed of you. Now I require attention. You also were so proud of me. Oh, <laughs> 
Muri seka seka. Testify. Give other people the opportunity. Open up the grace for them to experience what you ex- experienced. That's how it works. Don't you get it? You think people just ah, that person likes talking a lot. You are the one who likes talking a lot with your silence because in silence people scream. Jump to verse twenty-three. I know. I just saw verse one, and things came in my spirit. But this is really what I wanted to read. But Jesus answered them, saying, "The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified." Let's go on. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces. Much grain. Giving is very spiritual. The reason why Jesus Christ came is what we have been looking at. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave. Now, when you give, you forget about the things that you give. You have to forget about them. When you forget about them, it means they have died. Because until a kernel of wheat falls into the ground, he didn't end it and dies. Stop looking at what you gave people. When you give that thing, let it go. Unless you're a parent. <laughs> That's for us parents. Because if I give you, I expect you to wear it responsibly. <laughs> The reason why God gave Jesus Christ is to bury him as a seed so that he could have a harvest of many sons. That's why I'm telling you, when you give, let, let, stop checking. My wife got me something that she really loved. And I gave it away. <laughs> she was touched. <laughs> Many of you are judging her, but I'm sure you're like, I I can feel the same way. (laughs) But you have to learn to let go of things when you give them. Because until they die, they will not produce for you a harvest. If they are still alive, they are talking to you every time you see the person wearing the thing. (laughs) The thing is greeting you. Hi, I miss you. (laughs) When you release me from your hands. (laughs) Like a thing is always talking to you. You're wondering where the person took the money. All that money you gave for first fruit, I'm not seeing anything here. Did, you, did it die? Or is it still alive? <laughs> I'm just teaching you, God said, unless a kernel of wood falls into the... So even what God did, hmm, he gave Jesus Christ to die. And until he let Jesus die, there was not going to be a harvest of sons. Are you seeing that? So that's what he said. I like what the Passion Translation says. It says, a single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat all because one grain died. The death is emphasized. Stop saying hi to the money you let go or to the gifts you let go. They have to die. If they have to produce a fruit, or if they have to produce a harvest for you, shall I hear you? I like this. The same, the same concept is brought in Hebrews chapter number 2 verse 9. It says, 
But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. I love this. For the suffering of death, have you seen the death comes back? Crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, must test, might test death for everyone. Then he continues in verse 10. For it was fitting for him, for whom all things, and by whom all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of the salvation perfect through death, which is in the context suffering. Have you seen that to bring many sons into glory, there had to be a death. For God so loved that he gave. There was an end to that giving. The giving was a means to an end. The means to an end. The giving was a means to an end. The end was that he should have many sons. He should reap many sons. You and I. That's why Jesus Christ is described as the firstborn from the dead. That means there was a first person to come out of spiritual death. Then now other people started jumping out. You are somewhere, number 46, if born was there, number 100,000, and people still keep coming out of spiritual death. Are you seeing that? So giving is spiritual. There's no amount of giving that we do that does not give us a result. But giving is spiritual. That's very important for us to understand. The Bible says in Genesis 22, mm, this is so powerful. Verse 1, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will, sh I will tell you, I shall tell you. So Abraham, you know, rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey. When his wife asked him where you are going, he said, there's just like a project, I'll be back, I'm carrying my son, because he knew it was going to cause trouble. If he was ever going to tell his wife what the Lord has spoken to him about. Those are the things they didn't add. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On the third day, he lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey whilst I go yonder and worship. Okay. He just told them I'm going to worship. That means giving is an act of worship. <laughs> the Bible says to love the Lord your God with your strength. There's, there are dimensions. Some of you have not worshipped God because you don't let go of man. And you have to worship God in full. Hallelujah. So the two of them went together. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm -mm. Even in letting go, hallelujah. Say hallelujah. No, not like that. You have to. <laughs> not today. <laughs> okay. Okay, he went to the place which God had told him, verse 9, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Uh oh And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. He was a slay king. But the angel of the Lord... Oh, sorry. I didn't realize that one came out. But the angel of the Lord... <laughs> called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. <laughs> he was going to kill. And I'll tell you why Abraham was going to kill his son. This is remarkable. He was going to do it. He was going to kill him. 
How did it, was it, was it that, that he was being a zombie and just obeying? How was Abraham going to reach, how did he reach that conclusion? And you can tell the man was ready to strike. He bound him, he put him on the altar, he took the dagger and was about to strike. Then the angel had to say, Abu, Abu. <laughs> he went. And he had to scream loud. Look at that. Said Abraham, Abraham. It was not. <clears throat> Can you put the thing properly? <laughs> uh, I'm about to make an announcement on the earth. Abraham. No, 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 no. Here I go back now. Shoot between the mower and the fire. Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. Where? Abraham. Leka. Nalesa. I didn't say that. So he said, hey, here I am. He was startled, I'm sure. Now, how did Abraham reach that place of conviction where he knew, let me kill this boy. This is God who told me. I, I show you Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. I like this. It was by faith that Abraham, now, you see, by the insight of the spirit, Paul is able to see exactly how Abraham did it. He said, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. When God was testing him, Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned, I like this. There's a reasoning by faith. This is what made Abraham reach that place where he said, let me kill this boy. Because this is what, what was going on in Abraham's head. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was going to bring him back to life again. Why? If God said that it is through him that I'll bless all nations, but God asks for him, and yet God still said uh, through him. It means, it means God was going to kill him just so that he could raise him up and fulfill his word. Since God cannot, you know, cannot throw his word away. So God will kill him just to raise him from the dead. Are you seeing that reasoning? That's a reasoning of faith. So you have to reason by faith. If you're reasoning like a normal human being, we'll be talking even go tell your wife, can you imagine what God said? In other words, Abraham knew, when I strike this boy, I'll stand back and now begin watching how God is going to work this miracle and bring him back to life. What's your faith telling you? Reasoning by faith. And the Bible says, yeah. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. In a sense, he did. Are you seeing that? Wow. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Genesis. The Bible says in verse 13, uh, let, let me read from verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, please. 
<laughs> For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the, the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, which is Jireh. In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham the second time out of heaven. This is, this, is, this is where the cool stuff begins. He said, by myself I have sworn. God was swearing. You can't swear. Number one, you're not God. Number two, you're unable to bring to pass whatever you are swearing. Anything can happen. But the Bible says God swore on two accounts because number one, it's impossible for him to lie. You, you don't have to be a liar. Things can just change. When we not when we not a liar, but if you see a ginger, this is God now saying. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time. By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants. I thought God already told him this. But there has to be obedience between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. There has to be obedience through an act of faith, especially in finances. Let me tell you this, especially in finances, in the faith. A man cannot multiply before, beyond his giving. Have you noticed in the book of John, we read Jesus Christ said in John 12, unless a seed falls down and dies, which is connected to John 3, 16, which says, for God so loved that he gave. So that giving and the death, that giving brings about a multiplication in sons. Here we are also seeing the fact that uh, uh, Abraham, after he gave his son, because in a sense his son died and in a sense he came back. We see that when he gave, the Bible shows us, now God begins to bring the multiplication grace. In the faith, you cannot multiply beyond your giving. This applies to the rich and the poor. If you are a Christian, you must be a giver. Otherwise, you will not multiply. You will be fruitful because that's the first stage God will give you. But multiplication comes when men learn to give. Especially men. Are you listening to me? Ah, because I said there are many ladies who don't work, but somehow you see their tithes. It, it's faith. That obviously, tithe you pay from your income. But someone is believing God. Lord, look, I believe that you pour a blessing. They still tithe. Many of them do that. I don't think I've ever seen a son do that who doesn't work. I don't know why. Anyways, it's an expression of faith like I said. I'm not saying do it. No. I'm just saying that's why I do it. Because other people do it by faith. One time I had to force a certain daughter. She had been with me too long. And I thought, why is this one not getting a job? Why doesn't she tithe? I followed her. Hi. Why don't you tithe? Oh, daddy, I just work. I said, you're going to tithe. No, daddy, but I don't have money. <laughs> I said, no, find money next week, bring your tithe. She was confused, this pastor. Because <laughs> I knew if she doesn't give, she will not prosper. 
So I made sure through the week she prepared the command. She came. I told her, bring. Laid hands on her. It wasn't long before she got a job and she started getting paid thousands. I told her, you see, here's daddy. Because we like to think front forward. Oh, I'm so grateful that you did that. That's what you like hearing. So you have to learn to trust the same process, okay? That's what you want to hear. Okay. Trust God and his word, okay? Hallelujah. Wow. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will deploy your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Your seed releases the blessing that you need for this earth. I'm telling you, because you've obeyed my voice, are you obedient to the word of God? Hallelujah. Do you remember? Do you remember? And this, this is so remarkable. I want you to, to note this. Do you remember what happens in 1 Kings chapter 17? I told you that a man cannot multiply beyond his giving. The Bible says, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. What was God thinking to command a widow to give? Hasn't it bothered you? What was going on? Didn't God know that this is a widow, she's not married, and if she gives this money or this food, it will be her last and her children. Are you telling me God did not know? Yet God visited this woman. I'm sure she was praying. You people like praying. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. Give me instructions. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. Then God comes. Okay, fine. Do this. That means the prophet just didn't reach. God knew if the prophet goes there alone, she will refuse. God hasn't spoken to me. That's what we say with Pentecostals. And that has a place. But just don't push away someone. Observe, wait. Say, oh, I pray about it. Meanwhile, leave me alone. That's okay. So God spoke to her, and she was waiting to see if what God said was true. Indeed, the prophet came. <laughs> so she started pretending she was picking firewood around <laughs> to see if there would be a reaction. And she was just saying, okay, if I pass and he doesn't see me this time, I'll tell him, Lord, you see, there was no one. But just before, she just said, <clears throat> she said, and then the prophet said, I'm asking for water. She was like, we praise you, wonderful Lord. As she was going by the corner, I've never told this story before. As she was going by the corner, hoping he doesn't say hi back. Just when he, she was about again. <laughs> but you know the end of the story. 
how that she never lacked afterwards. Now, there's something I want to show you very significant about that scripture. It, God, God will speak to you to give. He will not just speak to you about your prophetic dreams and where you should go, who you should submit under as your pastor, where you should get your job from. God will talk to you, give your house, give your car. God will have those other conversations with you. Because the Bible shows God actually commanded a widow. Commanded. <laughs> he didn't suggest it. God told the prophet, I've commanded. He knew she was probably stubborn, so he had to command. Hey, yes, Lord, yes. Let's see, though. Let me confirm. And he, she found it. God will command you to give. If God has never told you to give, I don't know. And for me, it happened at the beginning of this year. You know how January sometimes can want to push fouls. I was praying at the beginning of December. Lord, money, Lord, money. Lord, 2021, money. You know, sometimes where you have so many projects, you can't mention them. You just say, Lord, you know my heart. <laughs> Lord, man. This is the second time in my life God is instructing me to give my first fruit. The first time, the biggest money I'd ever received that year. I'll never tell you. <laughs> I've already told the story, man. The year was about 2016. I received a G6 at a go. I was like, this one, I'll eat. <laughs> then I heard the Lord. <clears throat> <laughs> No, sir, give it as first fruit. And he went quite, Lord, if it's you, make two lions appear. <laughs> he went to bind, I thought, I bind. Shakabai. I retain this money, I keep it. And the Lord says, are you done rebuking? <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Okay, now you can give the command. And then you will keep quiet. But you just remain with that. <sighs> then you go talk to your carnal friend. If you feel like you have to give all your money, you have to. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> so that they tell you what you want to hear. The Bible says they will gather to themselves teachers <laughs> who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. So you know, if I go to Sister Molly, she will say, actually, even add your savings. So you're just like, no, I reject. <laughs> so you'll go to Soskina <laughs> and you go talk to her. <laughs> Soskizo. <laughs> Then Soskizo will tell you, ah, Buddha. <laughs> Just chow the money, except. It's your hard end money. You're a tough one, all the things you do. <laughs> but there will just be this thing. You sleep, it, it, it's like it's moving in your body, eh? You look at the money. <laughs> you know it's not yours. <laughs> you try feeling sorry for yourself. You know, some people like feeling sorry for themselves. They look at the money, then they even start hearing that come soundtrack. <laughs> Mama! <laughs> Lord, are you sure? Quiet. 
So I gave it. And the, my, the man I took to, my spiritual father, he didn't even hesitate. He <laughs> just... <laughs> then he promised me this one, I'll eat it. I just said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> But you know, there was a healing I experienced after I let go of the money. I can't explain it, but I just felt like something had entered my spirit. I couldn't tell what it was, but something had come in. That's what giving does to you. When you do it out of obedience, something walks into your spirit. Hallelujah. At the beginning of this year, I was praying, money, Lord, money. Then the Lord told me, give your first fruit in January. Apaka ni nkula so mumuna samarida Ama tilu musa chape manso But it was exciting. And I gathered up, and I had a lot of money in January. Please. I'm talking thousands of quarters. Okay, I declared this year. Can't I'm declaring into my first fruit. This year. <laughs> the Lord is just like. <laughs> but I know he's about to bless me. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm just telling you. And it's, 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 it was such a relief. I took the money. The man did not even think twice. <laughs> Grab the money. That's my father. I gave to my father because my father was my priest. My father and my mother, they taught me the word of God. So I thought, I'm giving, not as my parents, I'm giving them as priests. Remember that? Remember, they're both pastors also. So, my father just said, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Obviously, I would do the same, so I didn't judge him. I just wanted some sympathy. My mother was like, They blessed me, my goodness, Lord. I, my wife and I were kneeling there. They were praying for us. We cried. Because we felt the thing. We just felt the thing. Hallelujah. We just felt the thing. All I'm trying to show you, give me the next scripture. The next scripture in the New Testament. All I'm trying to show you is the fact that God will instruct you concerning your finances. And if he has never instructed you and you have access to finances, you're probably stubborn. Yeah. Or you are immature, so God knows if I tell her to give, she'll be offended at me. Or he'll be offended. Otherwise, God will tell you to let go of money. I'm not saying in, in this meeting, thank God if he tells you. But I'm saying in your life generally, God will give you such instructions. Can you imagine? Jesus is talking here. He says, but I tell you truly, Luke 425. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months. And there was a great famine throughout all the land. You remember? It's a story I'm from telling you. Now look at the next scripture. But to none of them was Elijah sent. 
That means Elijah was sent to a broke widow. Jesus is confirming, I sent him to the widow. It's not enough to say I don't have money so that you are comfortable in your not giving. It's not enough. A man cannot multiply beyond his giving. Can you imagine that woman? The Bible says she never lacked all the days of the famine. She kept having, she kept having, she kept having, she kept having. There's a secret. When it comes to finances in the spirit, these are some of the things you must know. And I'll teach you. You can do with them whatever you like. If you want, you can push them away and just focus on salvation, on saving souls. That's fine. Because, you see, the kingdom of God has many keys. The ones you acknowledge and you focus on will work for you. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. Now, I'm just trying to show you that this man was sent to eat a woman's man who was a widow. These days, hey, you will see it on Mwebantu. Prophet eats money for woman. Hmm. Widow. I want you to see something. So what I'm showing you, that woman had so much, she never ran out. Hallelujah. There was a link. The Bible says, uh, in verse 16 of 1 Kings 17, the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which is spoke by Elijah. As you give your partnership today, may you never run out in the name of Jesus. May this be a memorial seed. That will constantly provoke grace for your supply of every material blessing you need. Somebody shout amen. amen. You know, this is the year of the supernatural. And I believe as you give, you will be tapping into a supernatural supply. You will be connecting to something. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm showing you scriptures. I'm not giving you my opinions, by the way. It's practical scriptures. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 15, I'm trying to tell you that a man cannot multiply beyond his giving. When it was evening, his disciples came to him. This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Very controversial man. And, and they said to him, we only have five loaves and two fish. They were joking. They were like, oh, 5,000 people here. Oh, we have five loaves and two fish. They were being sarcastic. That's what I think. The other account says there was a boy with five loaves and two fish. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down. I'm have my instruction, change. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit on the grass and he took the five loaves and two fish and looking up, he took. Now imagine if that boy refused to say, no, my mommy gave me to eat her own. Imagine what would have happened. <clears throat> Some of you, your seed, your giving alone, your giving alone, nobody's there. They don't know how hungry you are. Your five loaves, your two fish. When Jesus, when that boy put those things in the hands of Jesus, they were able to feed 5,000 people. Your seed may only feed you alone, but your harvest can feed 5,000 people. That's the thing. When you receive a harvest, it will not just be for yourself. Other people will benefit, even stingy people. That's what King says. Somebody can make 
bakesa ali yako nokuni nangu ambiku badisha fe ndabale fo oku nolo wabakanya no forget it then he commanded the multitude to sit down in the grass and he took the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven he blessed and broke and gave the loaves and this. so they all ate verse 20 and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained five loaves and two fish where is your seed child of god this boy put two loaves two loaves and five fish and they were able to feed 5000 are you saying that a man does not multiply beyond his giving can you imagine the 12 baskets that remain the boy probably went with two to his house and there his parents were like eh baskets where are they from then he couldn't explain you can't explain the harvest something that multiplied supernaturally how can you explain it hallelujah we are constantly seeing the same thing in the word of god that when we give there's a multiplication that comes it's a culture you should have it you should always think about it like that you should grow like that you should think like that remember i was showing you the, the testimony of a woman who was given to a project for six months how she was given her whole salary <laughs> six months can you imagine six months I want to assume she was probably living on on her savings or off of her husband. <laughs> Either ways, she was given six months, and she was working for um, she was working for a a state in Nigeria. At the end of the six months, they promoted her suddenly to become the leader of the entire Microsoft in I don't know how many states now. And what she was able to give now in six months, she could just give it like that. There's no giving. And there's something special I'm going to show you. Even this testimony, there's something very interesting I'm going to show you that I think you should look at. Ah. You know, when it comes to giving, you should do it consistently. Don't just do it once and expect results. Do it consistently. There's something special in the book of Acts that I notice. In the book of Acts chapter 10 uh, Give me KJV because there's something that the NKJV leaves out Are you learning? Yes There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Let's go on. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house. Listen to this. Which gave much alms. That means the man was giving consistently and a lot. He gave much. It was not a once off thing. He did it consistently. Are you listening to me? He gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. There's a giving which provokes supernatural reaction. There's a giving which gets you into and I pray today when you give you will sow seeds into the rest of the year's supernatural manifestations. Yeah. Let me show you. Let me show you this. The Bible says So the Bible deliberately records those things for us. Then the very next scripture says He saw a vision evidently about the ninth hour. Why did the Bible just not go straight forward to say there was a man? He saw a vision. 
It's deliberate. God wants to show you because he gave consistently. And he prayed always. He brought himself into a realm of the angelic. Look at that. And he was not even a believer. The Bible says he saw, he was just a religious man. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid. And he said, what is it, Lord? And, the, and, the, and he said to him, your prayers and your givings have come up for a memorial before God. God is always looking at your giving. He says, your prayers and your givings. Don't just be a prayer warrior. Be a giver warrior. Like, balance the two. The more you pray, you sow seeds. You give, you give, you bless people. Do it consistently and don't get that. They don't appreciate. No! Keep doing, keep doing it, keep doing it. Let it, let it move from being something you want people to see you for to something that you can't help but do it. Yes. People can't help but complain. But you, you find even though people have not been appreciating, you still find yourself doing it. That's what I tell my mother. That's my mother. My mother, some people who say things. I'm like, but mom, she can't help it. Because it's now become part of, not just not character, it's personality. You know what personality is? There's a difference between personality and character. When we're changing a person, we, we change their, even in relationships, don't force people to change their personalities. You can change their character. Because when you alter someone's personality, you begin cloning them. Personality means the way a person laughs. They can't help it. The way a person blinks like this. You want them to start doing it like this. That's personality. The, way the, 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 voice, the tone of the voice, that's personality. The people who are naturally sanguines, they're more excited than others. Don't try to change a person. Sometimes, especially in, in marriages or in relationships, you want to change it, but they're too excited. You want to crush their spirit. Or they are too low, you always want them to be loud, but that's who they are, they are calm. Leave them be. Yes. Leave the personality be. If they've got a good character, that's what matters. But there's a place where, but there's a place where, but there's a place where, imagine, and you so personality is something that is hard to change. You can't change your voice tone. Sometimes you can't change the way you laugh. Now imagine if giving is not just character, but it creeps into your personality. You can't help it. Even if you said, I'm not going to blink to them. <laughs> You find yourself doing it. That's the will of God for you. Sometimes it happens to me, I've said, okay, these are my, trust me, my savings end up being lost in giving. I sting everyone. And someone said, daddy, mm. oh, I already give. Okay, it is well. You can't help it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And when he looked, he said, What is it? He's afraid. He says, Your prayers and your arms have come up for a memorial before God. Wow. That means God is looking at your giving and your prayers. They are building up something. Consistency is key. Don't just do it once, do it again and again, and don't stop. Sometimes it may look like, oh, you're not receiving the reward. Other people, they may be receiving. It doesn't mean God has trashed your giving. When yours comes, when your harvest comes, 
It will come according to the measure of your giving. Because the Bible says with the same measure. Is why, you see, let me tell you something. Young men, let me tell you something. Many of these ladies you see who are single are not stranded. And you see, when you come to Christ, when they come to Christ, they learn the word of God. They don't want to settle. So sometimes, sometimes it may look like it's taking time for them to find the right man. It's sacrifice. Many of their friends have settled out there because of pressure. Hey, marry. Now, Kula. But we know God and we know his word and we just won't compromise. It takes, you see, these, many of these ladies are single. They are patient. They are not in a hurry. And they are probably just not their type. And all the ladies say, Amen. There are things we do in the faith. Not because we can't jump into a relationship. But we, we trust the word of God. Dear daughter. Your fear of being unmarried should not exceed your love for the word of God. So there are things we do out of sacrifice. And we do them consistently over time. Over time. Over time. We are just waiting. If the person is not right, better than I can it's a love. It's a, it, it means we've got self-control. It means we look down on the opinions of men. And we look up to the opinions of God. Yes. Because So you just don't move like that. You look at the word of God. What's the, word, what's the word of God doing? It's sacrifice. It's death to self. It's death to the opinions of men. So that Christ may live in me. Some of the singleness you see is an expression of the life of Christ in them. There are people, there are many ladies who are married today and their marriage is a reflection of the opinion of their relatives. There are many men and women who are married today and their marriage is a reflection of the pressure from the society and their friends. Because your young cousin is married. But then you realize, I was much happier when I was single. Yeah. <laughs> even, even men, you need, some men just, they just want to marry. What are you rushing? The people think that married people are just always having sex or something. I don't know. Oh, I'm just, you know what? <laughs> Let me sit here. Let me sit here. Tell your neighbor, relax. Yeah. Okay, we'll have dear. We'll, they know there's a conference I'm planning. Yeah. As if it's for men. Yeah. It's titled Men's Conference. 
Dear sons, sit. Let the fathers talk. There are some fathers who receive. Very soon, I'm just talking to some of these fathers. Then they'll come here to the men's conference. Yeah. Don't worry, ladies. It will be, this one will be to your benefit. Because some of these men need to be schooled. We won't manage. So when it comes to giving, how did I get here? You have to be consistent. You have to be consistent. Just don't do it. It says, he gave much arms and he was praying always. So that consistency is key to building a memorial that will move God's attention. And it will provoke a supernatural reaction. Can you imagine this guy saw angels because he was a giver? You, what are you seeing? Check your giving. They were squeezing me. They were squeezing me. That's what I was saying in the other tongue. <laughs> they were squeezing me. Don't be stingy. And don't just give away. Be consistent when it comes to your giving. Do it again and again. The Bible says, remember the scripture that the Lord gave us at the beginning? The farmer who watches the clouds cannot sow. So if you're saying things are bad, I will not sow. I mean, will not reap. I will not sow. You will not read. Hallelujah. Consistency is key. There's a scripture that bothers me. <laughs> Until I saw it for what it was. And it's in Luke chapter number 7. In Luke chapter, chapter number 7, Jesus was having a powerful crusade, healing the sick, preaching the gospel. Then suddenly, he, re he received elders. They came to beg him. At late, can we go to a certain centurion's house, a non-believer? Now, Jesus never, he rarely went to non-believers' houses. Remember that Syrophoenician woman who was saying, oh, let's go. Then he said, we cannot give children's bread dogs. Until she pushed. Then he said, I've never seen such faith. Again, another unbeliever came here. The Bible says, now when he concluded all he's saying in the hearing of the people, he, ent he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him. Now it says, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. Why were they pleading? It's because he was refusing. You don't plead unless someone is refusing. They were telling Jesus, let's go. This man, this person is sick. They are very sick people here. Let's go. He said, no. The person who dies says, people still die. Jesus was saying it's not enough they begged him the elders the elders Jesus was a very humble man the elders were pleading with him please sir let's go he was saying that's not enough he was still ministering to these people show me the very next scripture and when they came to Jesus they begged him earnestly here's what they added saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving he said oh, everyone is deserving Everyone, everyone is deserving. It's the grace of God. It was still not enough. They were still begging until they added this line. Hmm. For he loves our nation. He said, ah, everyone should be a patriot. 
Everyone should love the nation. <laughs> and has built us a synagogue. This man built a church. Give me the next scripture. Then Jesus went with them. <laughs> Jesus stopped the crusade. <laughs> Power was moving everywhere. People were receiving. I received. They are getting healed, falling under the power. And this time, this side they are begging, and they are begging. Say, ah, it is well. Then he, they said, he built this. That synagogue is the one who built. Jesus said, ah, end of meeting. <laughs> he went, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself. Blah 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 blah. Are you saying that? Doesn't that make sense when you read when you read it from the lens of um, Second Corinthians chapter number nine, verse seven? Let's begin from verse six. This scripture changed my life. He says, "But this I say: He who sows." Sparingly, let me not say sparingly because we will not get it. Go let spare, I must spare bedroom. Go let spare thing. Who spare thing, do I? Dear Lakambapoe, not to say sparingly so that you are okay, so that you are lost and the scripture misses you today, it won't miss you. He, but this I said, he who sows, the sowing thing is very scriptural and he's talking about giving here. It says, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully, the other word there is carelessly. <laughs> who also reap carelessly. Are you saying that? Let's go on. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. That means you can purpose to give recklessly. Or you can give according to your heart. Or you can give grudgingly. <laughs> So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. That means under pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. Are you seeing that? Give me from the Amplified Classic. God stopped the whole meeting because a giver who gave to the church, <laughs> he was not even a believer. Are you seeing that God does such things? So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Oh, you've not found it? Amplified classic. It says, and God is able to... <laughs> is this a scripture? Okay, let's go. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, look at that, he takes pleasure in, mm. prizes above other things mm. and people, mm. and is unwilling to abandon or to do without... I thought God doesn't need people. I've heard songs. You have heard songs by people singing, You don't need me. But then here God is saying, God can't do without. I thought God can do without. But here God is saying, I can't do without. He says, He can't do without a cheerful, joyful, prompt to do it. You know, you can reach a place where you are prompt to do it. There's a place where you have to think about it, 
pray about it. But you know, there's a place where you are prompt to do it. That's another level. Joyful is nice, but you can reach prompt to do it dimension. I think that giver, hallelujah. He says, whose heart? Not you are coming to give here, you leave your heart in the chair. Whose heart is in his giving? Are you listening to me? So, God is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful giver. That's you, hallelujah, today. I said, that's you. No, not just today. That's you in life. Some of you will be an expression of, of, of God's answered prayers to people. Because you walk around, you find many, over 50% of the prayer requests have to do with money. So you reach there and God is blessing people through you. You know, you become a place where God puts the tools in you to be a blessing. You become a receiving point. Someone needs money. Even though this money which has come, I can feel in my spirit someone needs it. And then God can entrust you with millions and thousands because he knows you will not say, you want to eat everything. You want to now want to have a samosa project. Jesus stopped. That's why Paul knew this by revelation because Jesus was willing. Give me the, NL, the NKJV of the same scripture. He was willing to stop an entire revival to go and pray for a sick person who built a church. Do you remember the story of Dorcas, also called Tabitha? Yes. Peter was the most happening, one of the most happening men of God in that time. He was saying, come and raise the dead for us this side. He said, ah, even this side, people have been dying. <laughs> Let me continue preaching the gospel. Should I come there for the sake of one dead person? People are always dying. But then they said, she gives to the poor and contributes to the well-being of the ministry. Peter stopped what he was doing. There's a spirit in ministers. That's why we love cheerful givers. We can, Jesus did it. Peter did it. You want me to not like it? Witchcraft. <laughs> can't hate a giver. I told you the story of uh, Pastor Kenneth Hagin. There was this woman who was always buying him things. Cars, vehicles, <laughs> suits. Then they told him, they told him, then they told him, they told him, she has died. Let's go to the, to the hospital. He said no. He went to pray. He's Stopped the party that was going on in heaven to receive her. When she was about to enter heaven, Jesus looked sad. He said, Jesus, why? He said, Brother Kenneth, look, he's praying. He can't allow us to have you. You know, there's a way we pray for people who give. Now, I'm not saying we don't pray for you, generally. But when I look at your partnership list, and I see your amount, zbrongida. <laughs> there's a way the tongues come out. You have to know that the way to a, there's a way to a father's heart. Haven't you read that Isaac said, go and kill Isaac. He's about to die. He's still wanting to be happy to eat well. <laughs> it's strange. He said, he, he checked his clock. He said, hey, five hours. He said, go and kill the venison. Bring it the way that I love it. Then my soul will be stirred to bless you. You people don't know how to provoke a blessing. There are things that provoke a blessing. I've never heard my father pray for me like the way he prayed for me. I cried. My father's been praying for me all my life. Hey, come here. He slaps me in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> but this time is different. The man's spirit was open. 
and things I have never heard came from. I've never heard him pray like that. My, my wife and I, we, we cried. We were just crying. We were overwhelmed, but the thing was all over. Hallelujah. There's a way to a father's heart. Even God said in Malachi 3, 4, he says, if I'm a father, where is my owner? He was upset because these people are bringing in small things. God, not me. <laughs> Yet they were taking things elsewhere. Hallelujah. Do, do you understand this? Do you people understand what I'm trying to tell you? I will tell you my own experience and I'm closing. Was, are you ready with your offerings? With your... So there's giving which provokes a supernatural release. NKJV, the Bible says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let's go on. Something amazing I want you to see. And God is able to make all grace abound after you give toward you that you always have insufficiency in all things. Grace which provides material benefits is able to be made available to you. So you, having, ah, this is powerful, having sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That means God will keep blessing you so that you keep doing more things. One day, I was sleeping. At that point, I gave so much, so much, I just kept giving. I was not yet married. I remember it was the time that I wrote the book, The Art of Dreaming. That was 2018? I should think so. Uh, and I was just banking money. I wanted to buy a car. And then I woke up one morning and God told me, give the money that you have made for the WEM conference. And she had even told my, my girlfriend, I'll marry you, I'm about to buy a car. She was like, my man. <laughs> I, the Lord does the thing he likes doing. He told me, no, sir, you can give the car money. No, I didn't want to go through the motions. If it's you, make two lions appear. I know they will not appear. <laughs> I know they're good. Okay. Fine. And she knows, so I just told her, ah, babe. <laughs> you know that command? Oh, it's fine. Do <laughs> as the Lord has told you. And I did. And for some time, I felt like I wasn't receiving anything in return. <laughs> But I was just, uh, and then God was quiet. Because God wants you now to move by faith. So he would just be quiet. Just, Lord, I thank you. You want God to say, I will multiply your seed. But he's quiet. So you have to rely on the Bible. After Abraham came, God said, I will multiply. That's my word. So you put your name there. Daniel, Daniel. <laughs> That's how it works, Kai. You know the motion. Yes, yes. <laughs> a few months later, I had this dream. And in this dream, a certain man of God, as in there are those men of God who preach on giving. Trust me, I'm one of them. He came to me and he, I was like, wow, that's him. And he said, take it. And I fell under the power. I felt the electricity of God. And he said, the money anointing is upon you, you never lack. When I woke up, I was still, bzz, bzz. you know, there's a bzz, 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 bzz. Can you receive the bzz today? Bzz, bzz. 
I was like, whoa, I was looking at a post of Fred. I was sleeping next to him. I was like, don't touch me. This is my people that can tap. I was like, you are not there when I was sewing. You weren't just tapping. Bzz, bzz, alone. I never told him to, it's settled. Because he can hug you. <laughs> All of those people that have got friends for faith, you can find that even the first to, to reap where they did not sow. <laughs> Dangerous friends. So when the thing settled in my spirit, from that day, I knew I would never lack. Now, I didn't share that dream with a lot of people because I didn't understand it. I didn't necessarily believe in uh, the anointing for money. But there's such a thing. Until God began to show this, it's the anointing. It's called grace. A lot of times when we say the anointing, it means grace. In other words, because of my giving, the Spirit of God opened my eyes. It says, because of your consistent giving, you have reached a place where you can never lack. And then grace does not leave you. You may have given consistently for a year, but when that grace comes, the Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That means God will always refer to what you did 10 years ago. Can you imagine? All the times that the children of Israel were sinning, the kings were sinning, God constantly said, because of what your father David did, I'll spare you. Because of what your father David did, I'll spare you. Years to come. Many of you, because of your seed today, generations, generations will be preserved. Hallelujah. I want to give you homework. You study 1 Kings chapter 3. Uh, give me First Kings chapter 3. Let me just read it. It's my last scripture. And by the way, do you all have envelopes today? Yes. How many of you? Let me see them. Have you received? Those who have not received envelopes, raise your hands. You need envelopes. Now, listen. This is not the time for pledging. And I'm, I'm going to give you an important announcement. You are not going to pledge today. No. Because you've been in the WhatsApp groups and you've been coming here. So don't pledge. You are not going to participate if you were not paying attention to instructions. However, those who don't come here and they want to pledge, they are free. But those who come here, you didn't pledge before. Because last time we had a situation where people pledged. Even up to now, they've not paid. Am I telling the truth? Yes. So don't pledge. If you're going to miss the opportunity, I don't know. You should understand that there's some graces which come in the moment. You're supposed to bring your money now. Unless for some reason you can't have the money available, but you can have it between now and next Sunday. But no. And it's a last chance I'm going to give between now and next Sunday. If you can't, you belong to this church, you've been coming. And for some months now we've been saying, it was out on the calendar, there will be partnership, there will be partnership. You're not taking it seriously. No. You partner in February. In March, the next partnering. Yes. In February, right? Because this one is a January partnership, which we bring on the 7th of February. Yes. So we say it's January, really. But because we want everyone to have money at the end of the month, we take it to a Sunday after. But it's really a January partnership. You understand? Yes. Mm -hmm. Are my instructions clear? Yes. 
The Bible says, Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord. And the, Even before he received wisdom, Solomon just had this marriage thing going on in his life. Let's go on. <laughs> so problem. But when, but when he got my, when the anointing came on him, some, sometimes anointing can amplify a person. I mean, in some of the bad ways. I'll tell you about that later. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house. Are you saying that? That means people were sacrificing to idols. They were worshiping idols. Why? Because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. If we close churches, some people will go back to the world and to worship in idols. That's why the church cannot and should not and shall not be closed. Because we begin losing people to the world, to idols, to Satan. There are people, because the church is closed, they backslid. Sometimes people come to church once one in the week. It keeps them throughout the whole week. Because there was no house built for the name of the Lord, God forbid. Let's go on. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statute of his father David, except that he also had these sacrifices going on. Let's go on. Now, the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. Solomon was just supposed to give one, but because he loved the Lord, that's the greatest form of giving. You give because you love. Not because you are expecting a result. You will expect a result. But to give because you love, that's the highest realm of giving. For God so loved that he gave. Although he gave, he received the multiplication of sons. But it was because he loved, number one. Then multiplication is next. Do you love God? It will show in your offerings and partnerships and tithes and fresh fruits and all those things. Yes. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. Oh, wow. Listen to that. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. That means that night, because of Solomon's gift, there's, there's a connection. There's no way. A man gives. In the night, God appears to him and tells him, ask, what do you want me to give you? There's giving which touches the heart of God and provokes supernatural release. That man had a dream. After giving, God was moved. He said, ah, can you, wasn't God risking? How do you approach a man and tell him, ask anything you want? But that's what happens when God's heart is moved. He brings a place where they can ask like that. Hallelujah. And Solomon began to give this speech. No. It was a very long speech. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, righteousness, and in uprightness of heart. You have continued this great kindness. He will ask. <laughs> you have to give a speech. I just find that very interesting. Hallelujah. <laughs> 